Yo soy Jairo Iriarte y están escuchando Friars on the Phone Podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm Podcast, episode 167 of Friars on the Farm Podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. It, this was delivery week. Angry eyes, up to the angry eyes. Yes, it was a delivery week. Yeah, dropped I, it off to the boys with the angry eyes on their hats. Dude, it was, it was phenomenal. It took up all the space in my car, um, and it was glorious. It was awesome. I was so grateful to be able to do that. I'm so grateful for you guys uh, for purchasing the gear. Uh, for us to do that, it was 404 buckets. Just imagine like a, a paint bucket full of sunflower seeds, and I gave them eight of those, yeah, and four buckets of gum, yeah, so and three large buckets. Whole, of, yeah, tell the story of, of how it had. Did you get to go down on the field? Was it in the clubhouse? What was it just out in the parking lot? Uh, unloading? It, was, it was really boring. Like, I showed up, you know, <laughs> uber early because we had to. I later on, we'll be talking, I'll be talking to Jairo Iriarte. I, I was up there for that interview, and I got there, I dropped Liddy off. You know, because we wanted to go one car. Um, I had it in my car. I walked in, like, hey, like they didn't, God, they don't even care. Like I could have just walked in and done whatever I wanted. They just like, all right. I'm like, hey, I got some stuff. And then um, Paul, uh, Justin's uh, assistant, a new guy that works there, about five months now. I'm like, hey, I need, you know, do you have a, a car? I have a bunch of sunflower seeds. He had no idea what we've done, what we were doing, or who the hell I was. Okay. Um. So I think he brought this little small cart out. I'm like, dude, I think we need a big, I think we need a bigger cart. Um, <laughs> and so we, uh, I unloaded eight buckets. Uh, I saw Terrence on the way out, on the way in. He was on the way out. Um, so I got those in without having to, you know, bother him, put him back in the cage where, where they have it. And, um, you know, once the game started, I saw one of the bat boys bring over a, a, one of the small buckets of gum in a helmet full of sunflower seeds. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's the way to do it. All right. Share the wealth, you know, share the wealth with a visiting team. Absolutely. And then later, what, toward the end of this month is when uh, you're going to present the guys with the, um, the gift cards, the Chipotle yeah. gift cards. Yeah. July 30th. And we'll get into whole, the whole Chipotle thing later on when we talk to Hiro Ariarte and when we go through some of the, uh, some of the news here about, about just about Chipotle. Nice. Um, July 30th is when I'll go there and I'll be giving the storm their, um, their cards and then a season ticket holder for uh, the Stockton Ports uh, is going to give them, I don't know if, if they're going to give it at that game or if they're going to give it to them up in Stockton, but we kind of, uh, I, I, you know, we kind of agreed to allow someone that's been really involved in adopt a minor leaguer, uh, give those cards away to that team. Okay. So that's cool. All right. Yeah. It looks like the Padres might be out of town. I might I have to check the schedule. I hope I can make it up for that one. Yeah, it's the 30th. Uh, it's a Saturday, July 30th. So it'll be, oh, God, it was so, dude, it was, it yeah, was, it it's was, getting hot up there. It was hot. It was feels like, hot. It feels like it's getting hot earlier than it has been in the past. So, yay, global warming. Yeah, no. right. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Yeah, we got some hot news. James Wood has cracked Major League Baseball's top 100 prospect list. That's really, I mean, it's a big, big achievement. Uh, it's a stepping stone on the way, obviously, to, you know, you want to be higher. But, like, when you crack the top 100, that means you're truly, truly on on the radar. Right. And he's got not even a half season in right. 
in an affiliated ball and he's yeah. got a little bit in complex league now dealing with a little bit of injury, but even still, he just came back from the complex this week. I think he already has two home runs. One yeah. of them darn near hit the street. Pretty much hit the street. It went over the scoreboard and center and hit on that embankment right next to the fence, which is right next to the road. Yeah. Yeah. You don't see balls clear that scoreboard. So no. for those of you that have not been to the diamond in Lake Elsinore in right field, there's a, a wall that I think is 35 feet tall. Yeah big wall and then there's a bit of a gap and then in left center you've got the scoreboard the video board which is a little bit taller than the wall yeah. and it's the deepest part of the park and it's the tallest wall in the park and he cleared it with way room to spare way room to spare and it's a big outfield like you it is a larger it's a pitcher's park um it's a big outfield but the doll you know the ball does carry because it's you know it's dry out there and it's hot but he absolutely punished that ball <laughs> the Punisher. The Punisher. Speaking of the other, other Punisher, this is something that really cool that uh, that I saw on Twitter this week. Um, those of you who have, have seen, you know, Robert Hassel III hit, uh, you know, play in Lake Elsinore or play in Fort Wayne, it's, he's always used a pink bat. Well past Mother's Day, has done it for two seasons now. He, he has that pink bat. It's almost a signature. Um, so just recently this last week, he was told not to do it. He was told he can't use the bat. Like, so what was the story? So the story was, apparently it's against the rules. To, so here it says, apparently it's against the rules all along, and this umpire was just the first one to enforce it. Can't use those specialty colored bats except on special days. Not sure what colors they consider out of bounds, but apparently pink is one of them. So that came from Dylan Sin, yeah. uh, who writes for the Post-Gazette in, uh, in Fort Wayne. So he got the inside scoop. Yeah, and then I reached out to... Uh, Sam Dogs from, from MILB, and he's like, what? I got it must be a carryover from, like, he had no idea either. Um, but he, he thought it was pretty cool that he was using the pink bat, the pink bat all along. Yeah, well, they're always either a natural color or a stain or the, the black. Right, and there's blue, there's red, there's, you know. Right, but you only see those on special days. Yeah. Like Memorial Day weekend or whatever. And then they have that in Major League Baseball. They have that one weekend where it's like players weekend. And then you see the guys with the crazy bats, the yeah. Dominican flag all over yeah. the place. And I like that. Yeah, As long yeah. as there's no. So the pitcher is not allowed to have white or light colors on their glove. And I get that because it's a deception thing. Yeah. The, the batter's trying to pick up the, the ball. Well, here comes something with a big white dot on it. It's not the ball. But with the bat, what, what difference does it make? Exactly. That's a little bit of get off my lawn. Right. But, but also I can see where look, well, it kind of diminishes everyone using a pink bed on Mother's Day or or you know, or pink socks on I, I remember um not Venezuela. Uh he got traded. Uh he wore he wore the pink, he wore the pink uh God dang it, it's not his name's not coming to me. Wait, he wore pink socks or something? Yeah. Um he got he got traded to the oh Jesus, forget it. <laughs> but he always wore a pink. It was like, I think it was pink arm guard. Well, I mean, Tatis does that. He's yeah. He, for a while, he was always had a little pink armband or something. And the story was that he wanted his mom to be able to know which kid is him, you know, from a long distance away. <laughs> and now it's obvious who yeah. he is. You know, your eyes get drawn to him. 
but I like that. I have a little bit of personality. I remember a few years ago, uh, what was it? Ben Zobris, I think, got penalized because he wore a pair of cleats that were like the old PF Flyers shoes. Yeah. And they were like plain black cleats with the PF Flyers round logo on the side. They look like Chuck Taylors. Yeah. And and there was some he got fined for wearing something that isn't official. The official team color primary like has to be at least 80 percent the team's primary colors. They've they've relaxed on that a little bit. They're allowing the guys to show a little bit of personality, but it's like you, in the NBA, these guys get to show off their yeah. You know, there's that's part of what the draw is marketing, right. you know. Right. So right. let these guys show some personality. Let them show some flair. I remember I'm glad that. that I, well, I just remember that happening. Going like, there's a dress code for MLB. I mean, you always see it with NFL. Like you have to be in uniform. And it has to be the way it is. Or you do get in trouble, but baseball, no, they had, you know, not every team, not every player has the same cleats as the other players. I mean, God, look at Manny's Miami cleats that he wears. I mean, why isn't that a violation? Yeah. Well, they've, they've backed off on all of that, but yeah, it's not like he was wearing some fancy like flames or whatever political messages. None of that. No, they were black shoes with a logo on the side. Come on. (sighs) But so the pink bat, there's some there maybe there's some magic in that bat exactly they were talking about this on the the big league broadcast with tony Gwynn jr the other day apparently in 94 when his dad hit 394 he was using he used one bat for like the entire year and he called it nine grains of pain yeah and there's like a legend to this bat i'm sure that that bat it's probably in the in the hall of fame or Uh, something he broke it i believe i know that story um because because the, the less grains in in the barrel of the bat means it's more denser you get it's a little heavier uh, it's just a denser wood more bounce off the ball and you're right they called it nine gra- uh, nine grains of pain and he ended up I think he broke it in like a spring training game like his bat did not survive his career ah but it made it through the end of that season I wonder if it would have made it to the end of the season if they didn't stop he would he would have ridden nine, nine grains of pain to get to yes. four hundred yeah huh. Okay, so first up on our agenda here, um, Evan Drellich has been doing a fantastic job on the athletic, uh, documenting the 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 difficulties, the trials and tribulations of being a minor league player. Um, and we've started to see some changes. Uh, the most recent topic that he's bringing some light to is spring training. That minor leaguers are not required to be paid for spring training. It's considered tr- it's considered on the job training. Now, if, if my employer sends me somewhere for training, I'm paid during that time, but yeah. somehow they're, uh, they're exempted from that. Uh, so he starts off the article by saying every major league team holds what's known as extended spring training called extended for short. It's a setting that's out of sight and out of mind for most people following the sport, save perhaps for those who religiously watch player development, but extended is often a cr- crucial and difficult step for young players particularly those from Latin America who heavily populate extended rosters in a change from just a couple years ago, most major league teams pay their players a salary during extended a period when players both train and play games, but five teams did not pay this year, according to the nonprofit advocates for minor leaguers, which were identified as the A's angels, brewers, Marlins, and reds as those clubs. Now I want to say, I believe that either this year or last year was the first year that we started hearing about, players being paid for extended Uh, up until then they cover housing you get breakfast and lunch at the complex and then you get like 20 bucks a day for a food allowance for the rest of the day and 
as he's as he explains in the article, you may eat lunch at noon, one o'clock, and then you're working. You've got a game that starts at six p.m., and then you're finally getting out of the. You know, it's ten, eleven yeah. o'clock by the time you're done, and you're now it's time to go calories. eat dinner. Yeah, you're absolutely going through calories. And then you right, then you're out on your own. So it says here, you think that you're in hell because first thing, it's hot. It's really hot, said the player who spent time in extended in recent seasons. Doesn't matter if you're in Florida or if you're in Arizona, it's hot. And there's a lot of people. So you don't get a lot of playing time or a lot of playing opportunity. So you're dealing with the stress. You're just starting your career. You don't make enough money to eat because it's not even enough money just to eat. So dealing with all the stress and not being able to eat good, it's just nobody likes to be an extended. You can ask anybody if you've been once an extended, you'll never want to go back. During extended, so, all teams provide players with housing and some food at the complex. But for those without a salary, players in extended sometimes have pulled their money together for groceries as they were provided a small amount of meal money. Harry Marino, executive director for Advocates for Minor Leaguers, said that in 2021, his organization surveyed minor leaguers and found that two thirds of major league teams were not paying a salary to players in extended spring training beyond meal money. This created a scenario where players assigned to extended were only receiving salaries for roughly three months out of the year. With no salary in the offseason, during spring training or during extended, the only time players had a formal salary was during the complex league schedule. The current salary scale for complex leagues set by the major league clubs is $400 per week. Now, the people that are in extended, they're not just the guys that are on the roster for the complex league. It's guys that are rehabbing. It's guys that are on the, uh, the roster of domestic players, but aren't on a roster of an actual team. Right. Um, so it extends beyond the guys that are on that. Okay, so advocates for minor leaguers started to press the issue publicly, which Marino said helped produce quick change. The Giants, Mets, Nationals, and Red Sox were among teams that changed their policy to pay players a complex league-level salary during extended spring training and also provide back pay for the 2021 season. What teams are legally required to pay players during extended is part of a long-running class action lawsuit known as Senny versus the Commissioner's Office which is in settlement talks right now. I'm a little disappointed to hear that it's in settlement talks. I don't think that the court can force major league baseball to, to actually make a change. So this right. means that the people that are involved in the class action lawsuit are going to get paid. The only force that's going to cause any actual change to happen is bad press. Right. Ultimately. Right. And they can drag their feet and drag their feet and drag their feet forever. So clearly what you've seen is just based upon our raising awareness and providing accountability over what teams are actually doing. The norm has shifted from not paying a year ago to paying this year, Marino said, but there are still these handful of holdout teams that are not paying players and extended as a result of which there are still some players in the minor leagues this season that are on track to make less than $5,000 for the entire year. Unquote. Hard stop said Marino. There's absolutely no excuse for these five teams to continue to refuse to pay lowest paid employees for months of work. When we look at the demographics of the players on extended spring training rosters, whether that be racial, educational, or otherwise, it's clear that MLB teams are taking advantage of a particularly precariously positioned group of players by not paying extended spring training salaries. That is very problematic, Marino said. The Athletic interviewed four players who are either in extended spring training this season or in recent years, including two players from Latin America. Both felt that MLB clubs were taking advantage of players coming from afar. 
quote, when you're 19, 18, you don't have enough money to buy a car here. And like, you don't know how to speak English. So you don't know anybody and you're stuck in a hotel and you don't know where to go, said one player from Latin America. So there'll be guys, they go to Walmart, they buy a bunch of bread, ham and cheese almost every night for a professional athlete. We used to do that all the time, maybe four or three times a week. So you can get a good meal with the meal money they gave you. MLB did not respond for a comment. Another player from the Latin America said he feels he's participating in a system kind of like the Hunger Games. (laughs) Quote, just to make your way through it. And if you win, you get the big prize, making it to the big leagues. He said, you get the lifestyle you've been dreaming of. If not, the team just sees that they don't require your services. It's bye bye. Just like that. I got cases of friends that as soon as they got the money, they would go straight to Western Union, send around 80 bucks to their families back home maybe 90, just stay with whatever was left and buy a lot of Chipotle, trying to get as much rice as they can and try to save it for a couple of days living in their interview. So there it is. There's the Chipotle there. There's the gift cards that we give because it's the maximum amount of calories um, and familiar food for a lot of the Latin, Latin players and you know, American players or whatever um, for your buck. Like you get a fat burrito, for for the for less amount of money than you would say at, at a taco shop or whatever, and you'll see later on in the uh, in the interview I had with Hero is he talks about Chipotle, and you know there's taco shops there's four taco shops within a hundred yards of, of Lake Elsinore, and he knows Chipotle, so it's, right. it, it, it's it's kind of a you know if there, if Chipotle was smart you know I don't know it wouldn't look too good but it would be a, a a good thing to get like sponsored by MILB because it seems to be what minor leaguers really rely on. It makes me think of a uh, happy, happy Gilmore. He gets sponsored by, by subway. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. Try to get as much rice as they can and try to save it for a couple of days living in their room. The lack of salary hampered players in different ways. Many players sign for small signing bonuses and all have other bills and worries besides just food. The one good thing is we're able to eat at the complex. A player who was in extended spring training this season said, but as far as just food you have in your apartment and stuff, if you get hungry during the night and stuff like that, that money will definitely go fast. And it's not just about food wise. Some people didn't really sign for anything. Now we have heard that the spread, the food that they prepare at the Padres complex is particularly good. Okay. Like I've, I've never heard a, a complaint or any of these stories. You get these pictures about, you know, what they feed the guys on the road and it's the, the tray with a piece right. of bread and a slice of cheese and, and that's about it. And it's it's like that. There's no way. It sounds like they put on a pretty good spread for the guys at the at the sports complex. But again, yeah, I, that's that's two yeah. meals a day, right? And that's you know that's right. Two meals, primarily protein. You know, probably a chicken and some vegetables, uh, and maybe a starch. But that's one plate of food, one plate of food for a an, an elite athlete that needs to not only continue building muscle but like keep the the whole body working. Not on Fry Festival. It was a fire festival. <laughs> not on the vip festival um fry festival vip meal that right, just right. Went, that just went really bad <laughs> uh they figured out that we aren't actually making minimum wage here he said of uh, fellow players they can make more money just being doordash workers or just working on construction that's why you get a lot of players that just decide to quit baseball they have a lot of potential it's just sad but i totally understand they got responsibilities Right. But so I feel like that statement right there, that applies for the American players, the domestic based players, guys that have a driver's license, they have a car, they have access or construction. They've got some kind of connection. Somebody saying, Hey, come on, let me give you a job. The guys from overseas, they're here. And it's like, 
don't show you know, come home on with your shield or on it kind of thing. Right. You know? Right. You got it. You got to work hard and make it. And there aren't other opportunities for them here until they get sent home. Right. They got family. They got to take care of most talks between us are just kids dreaming of how things would be when we make it to the big leagues and how we would do this or we would do that. How would we help this guy or other just a mess. A worker with the Mets who received back pay for his time and extended in 2021 noted how easy it seemed to be for a team to make a change. Quote, I was extremely happy to see that that money was going to come back. The player said, I wasn't really aware when I was going into spring training, into extended spring training, that I wasn't going to get paid. So it was kind of a relief to see that, especially having an apartment that I was paying for. It happened overnight on direct deposit. It happened really easily, quickly, and then I was able to pay some things off, too. The four players said that they hope that uh, clubs change their practice and ensure players in extended spring training are paid moving forward. Quote, the only thing that is having me in the game right now is to chase my dream, said one of the players. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what the F am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? And that so I'm sure a lot of people get into baseball and they don't really know what to expect and so they've got student they've got student debt to pay down they've got you know whatever bills maybe they've got a a a kid and they they feel like they need a support but then you're not getting paid but it's like you're stuck you're stuck in a situation um and it's it's too bad and it's it's getting better but it's still it doesn't have to be this way it is it is getting better but there's a long way to go and there's much more than just in season when you're working, when you're actually doing the work is still an issue. And not to mention now the the next step on that is to improve those conditions. And they have like part of the whole contraction was to feed these guys a little bit better. Uh, you know, they pay for the housing. Some of that's kind of in the, uh, we don't know how that works with the family mode, but it is getting better, but there's so much more. It, it just seems like they're just like, here's some crumbs. Here's some right. crumbs. Maybe they'll be, maybe the press will go away. Here's some more crumbs. Um, and yeah. that's why you have, you know, that's why you have more about baseball, more than um, you have uh, adopt a minor leaguer. You have these organizations that are trying to, you know, be a voice for the voiceless, really, because these guys can't speak up. If they speak up, they get in trouble. Um, they get released. They get told, you know, they can be held back. Doesn't matter how good you are. And we've seen it with other players that are good and that didn't speak up. You know, they get held back. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. So moving on um, today, Jeff Sanders posted an interesting article on the San Diego uh, Union Tribune um, talking about the rule changes that the guys are experiencing in AAA and uh, you know how they think that that may relate to the major leagues. Um, so the title is Padres Farmhands Getting a Look at Robo Umps Pitch Clocks in El Paso. And Jeff writes, the confidence Trent Grisham has in his strike zone judgment is likely why his career on base percentage is nearly 100 points above his batting average, and also why he's been among the league leaders and called strike threes since becoming a regular with the Padres. That said, the 25-year-old center fielder is actually of two minds as Major League Baseball barrels toward using so-called robo-umps behind the plate. Quote, I like to think of myself as a little bit of a baseball purist, Grisham said. I like the human element. I like the relationship with the umpires, talking to them about what's going on, what they see, the right and wrong of what I think a strike is and what they think a strike is. At the same time, it's hard to argue with knowing exactly what the strike zone is. Yeah. And as I'm reading that, I'm thinking I've seen data about how the strike zone changes as the count changes. If it's a Ooh. if it's a, a three and O count, the strike zone expands a little bit. Right, if it's right, a right. if it's an O two count, 
Yeah, it's 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 weird how right. and I don't think the umpire necessarily does it consciously. It's a subconscious kind of a thing. But if he gets to a two strike count and now there's a pitch that he thought was off the plate and now it's being called for a strike, I can understand why he might be a little bit miffed about that. Yeah. Watch watch any game. And it's like that. Watch any game. A strike for, for one guy down low wasn't a strike for another guy. And a lot of times that happens in, in moments where it's, you know, it's a stress part for the pitcher. Or like it's a big moment. Like he need, needs to get a knock or he needs to get a walk. And sometimes those border pitchers, you know, the borderline pitches are called strikes. Sometimes they're called balls. Um, so definitely this automatic zone is going to be, uh, be really cool. Well, okay. it's easy for us armchair right. critics <clears throat> to go, oh, well, you got to expand that. You got to protect the zone and swing at anything that's close. It's a lot harder when you're standing there and you're looking at 98 with run. Oh, yeah. You, you caught me almost. I almost said that. too. <laughs> okay. At the same time, it's hard to argue with knowing exactly what the strike zone is. The topic was certainly of interest to Grisham after no more Mazzara joined the big league team earlier this month with firsthand experience with a number of the rule experiments ongoing in the Pacific Coast League. Those range from the automated ball and strike system, ABS, to larger bases, to the expanded use of a pitch clock that shaved an average time of games at hitter-friendly El Paso from three hours and 13 minutes to two hours and 55 minutes through the first 31 games at Southwest University. And that is a ballpark where just the ball, the game's drag because there's so much offense. Um, sure. So difficult issues surrounding the strike zone that affect outcomes on the field, Rob Manfred said, and we need to make sure we understand those before those before jumping off that bridge. That said, observations of the ABS last week in El Paso were so seamless that most fans in the stand still heckled the home plate umpire over the strike zone. I love that. He still sucked. He still needed glasses. He was blowing the game as always. Only none of that was true. The Empire was receiving the call instantaneously in an earpiece via Hawkeye cameras stationed around the ballpark and then delivering the call. Now, here's the thing. The evolution of this has has gotten has been from from the very, very beginning back in the independent league. What? Two years ago, where it was like a long delay. There were Wi-Fi issues <laughs> like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know, and then the strikes would be kind of if you even nicked. You know, if you nick that boundary with a part of the ball, it's a strike. And that could look clearly look like a ball uh, to a, you know, to a player. Well, yeah, they've they've expanded the zone a little bit from where it was at the beginning, uh, inside and outside. They've shrunk it a little bit top to bottom um, and they're defining it by a plane at the front of the plate versus it was more of a three dimensional kind of a thing earlier. Yeah. So you yeah. get these weird breaking balls that would barely nick one corner and there's no way like Vladimir Guerrero's not getting a barrel on right. that. Thing. <laughs> so go ahead. So. Uh, for, for um, the other night, the umpire turned around uh, El Paso manager, Jared Sandberg said with a laugh, like, I'm not calling it. It's not me <laughs> as, as all the fans are heckling him. I can imagine that he turns around, like pointing at his headset. Like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? So you missed the sentence before the, the paragraph before that said any ball touching a two dimensional 19 inch wide rectangle at the center of the plate, 17 inches plus the back of either on either side, the black. The, yeah adjust the black on either side adjustable to hitters heights was a strike and it was non-negotiable that's when the umpire turned around and said it's not me yep <laughs> you know and that's funny because like you think you do this for a living you know someone like jared sandberg our manager or a player like that's where that's never been a strike or that's always been a strike and sometimes that there's going to be that adjustment period for sure that part is tough 
And it has nothing to do with Brett Sullivan when he's behind the plate either for better or worse quote for years and years, you work so hard and drill work on receiving Sullivan said, making sure if you're catching it, right, setting up the right way to make sure you're earning that strike. And now you essentially don't even have to catch it. That part is tough. The flip side, his strike zone as a hitter is a constant inning to inning game to game. No more expanding the strike zone, no more missed calls, no more discussion for many. It's about time. Quote, I've always said that it would be like asking NBA players when they're in L.A. to shoot to a hoop that's 10 feet high and then go to another city and it's 10 feet, two inches. El Paso infielder Matt Batten said so hitting with a consistent strike zone has been awesome. Every night you walk in there, your strike zone is the same. You understand where it's getting called, what you need to work on. The consistency of it helps you get into a better rhythm. Adam Mazzara, I got to experience it a little bit, and I was pretty comfortable because I knew the pitcher would have to come in at some point. When they don't, it's not when they don't, it's going to be a ball. I was pretty confident with it when I was hitting. Umpires providing instant feedback via the earpiece on pitches that hitters swing at is a plus two. Teams also have tablets in the dugout to flag pitches they want ABS operators to take another look at as part of efforts to iron out the kinks of a technology not that far away. Human element be damned. Grisham will get on board. (laughs) I like a good strike zone too, he said. And that's why he gets so many called. You know, he's really good. That's his thing. He he knows the strike zone really well. And, you know, it seems this year because he's struggling that he is getting those calls, third strikes a lot more often just because he's struggling. But I think if he was hitting regularly, he'd be like, okay, fine. You know, he's hitting, you know, 270 or whatever. Um, I find it very interesting. In, in my leagues, I played my whole rec league career. I know, okay, the Empire's, okay, I know that zone. I know he's not going to call the low pitch, so I'm going to stay off the low ball. Or I know he's going to call the outside stuff, so I better protect. Like, you get to know these things about the Empire, and it's almost comforting. But once again, it's it can be inconsistent. Right. And, and you're having to adjust to that. Yeah. Now you're not adjusting only to the pitcher. You're also adjusting to the umpire behind you. And that adds a whole different layer of complexity. And so at the major league level, they got enough to worry about just trying to figure out, okay, Max Scherzer is trying to take me out with his eight pitches. He can throw me. <laughs> and now I have to worry about is, is Doug Eddings going to be calling me uh, a strike when it's a ball off the plate. Um, I, this morning, I don't know if you, if you hopped on Twitter today, but Bob Scanlon actually retweeted a couple of, of tweets from umpire scorecard, which is an account that, uh, it grades the pitch, the, the umpires on the accuracy of their ball and strikes, uh, the consistency of what he considers their established strike zone, um, shows some graphics. It's a really cool follow if you don't follow him already. Uh, but he retweeted a couple of the particularly good jobs yeah uh, the guys did yesterday so i i like that you know former pitcher kind of throwing some kudos to an umpire doing a good job because it's it's an incredibly difficult job yeah i so i think with the automated strike zone they really should go farther where you know how the you know the umpire wears a mask that so the um so the outfielders know like hit green green is a strike red is a ball like his his face mask will light up well, he's still, then you might as well just replace him with a robot. Just <laughs> right, put a would, blinking light back there. No, you know, I want the umpire back there to pull the, the cord on the imaginary chainsaw or the, the ripper, the, the you know, stab, the batter. What was that? What was that? The purge, you know, where they had the, the masks with like the, the, the funky things on like a, a backwards K would be like the X out eyes and a <laughs> on the mask. I just, you know, something like that. would think would let's be, save uh, that for the video games or, you know, maybe they could do an audio night. Maybe they can do that for the Nickelodeon broadcast where they uh, somebody hits a home run and you see the slime shooting right, out of the foul right. holes and all that. 
Okay, so we're going to go into this Mad Friars Q&A with Brandon Venezuela. Then after that, we're going to go into my conversation with uh, with Jairo Iriarte and Leo Rizal as a pitching coach there in Lake Elsinore. Um, he, he did a great job, really cool, of um, interpreting. Okay, so Mad Friars Q&A with Brandon Valenzuela. Uh, after Luis Camposano, Brandon Valenzuela is the top catching prospect in the San Diego Padres organization. The 21-year-old spent most of last season in low-A Lake Elsinore, but performed well enough in his first pass at full-season ball to earn a brief trip up to high-A Fort Wayne. On the season, he hit 299, 393, 429, but is better known for his defense and his ability to manage games. I think it's pretty remarkable that you see that kind of a slash line yeah. from a 20-year-old, yeah. and you're still saying that he's a glove first catcher. Yeah. Okay, so Matt Friars, you had your uh, your best season at the plate last year, but your on-base percentage is always about the same every year. Where did your ability to avoid chasing bad pitches come from, Valenzuela? Basically, when I learned how to hit from left side, I didn't have that much power going the opposite way, so I needed to focus on the core of the plate. If it wasn't in my zone, I wouldn't swing at it because I couldn't do much with it. Makes sense? Yeah. Everyone wants to hit bombs. The power numbers started to come last year. Do you better recognize the pitches you want to hit? Or did you get stronger? Venezuela, getting stronger helped, but it was more about learning what pitches I could drive and doing it. Do you all, uh, you do an outstanding job of calling a game. Is that what you enjoy the most about playing baseball? Just the control you have as a catcher? Venezuela, the key is building a relationship with the pitcher. The more you get to know them, the better idea you have of knowing what they want to do. So for me, that is the most important part of what I can do to be better. Get to know the pitcher. So in spring training, did you get a chance to catch Matt Waldron's knuckleball? Oh my God. It was the worst experience <laughs> in my life. I wish I could hear the audio of him explain. Oh I want to hear God. the pain in his voice as someone who has never caught a professional pitcher in my life. What makes the knuckleball so tricky to catch? And Brandon says, I love Matt, but he has no idea where he's throwing it or where it will end up. Think about that for a minute. The guy throwing it has no idea where it's going. So first I'm trying not to get hit with the ball. Second, I want to try to stop it. Finally, I'm thinking about trying to catch the ball. How would you hit against him? I would not. I had one at bat against him in spring training and still have no idea what I was swinging at. And then I love this last answer. Okay. Yeah, so where's yeah. the best Mexican food in Fort Wayne? I can't imagine there's a lot of good Mexican food in Fort Wayne. Uh, he says there's one restaurant called Mi Pueblo. I think the wife of Efren Contreras owns it, but I will have to check. The food was excellent. So that's pretty cool. The Efren Contreras uh, he decided to put some roots down there yeah. in, in town. That's very cool. That is really cool. And I don't know how that's kind of rare. I would think that's very rare. And I'll have to talk to John Nolan and just kind of reach out to other people. Like you ever, you ever see that happen? Like he's, he's still, he hasn't got the double, you know, he's Contreras has not been in Fort Wayne very often or very long. Um, I think he might have had a little bit last year, but like he was just, he's just there kind of getting back from injury. Right. That's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And to have his wife kind of put down roots, you know, they saw a, a job opportunity there or, or a, a niche in there. And heck, yeah, that's a great way to do it. We'll have to we'll have to clarify that and, yeah. and verify whether that's that's true or if it's just a urban urban myth. So that's an article that's been trying to get the, the Q&A there is something I've been trying to get into the to the agenda for weeks. And it just keeps getting pushed out and pushed out. Uh, you guys take the time, take five bucks out of the month. I just paid for it. It's 40 bucks for the year. For a subscription to Mad Fires, you get the dailies for free, but you get this extended content with, uh, you know, interviews with players, interviews with coaches. 
um, you get to really know what's going on in the Padres minor league system and kind of like extended, like, didn't you start caring about what's happening in extended spring training? You start caring about what's happening in the DSL. You start caring about where, you know, and hearing about these guys um, well before anyone ever finds out about them. And by the time they get to an affiliate, you already know what's going on. You already know what, how they play. And that can a work in your favor with fantasy ball. It can work in your favor as a, a know it at all Twitter guy. I don't know. Um, but you know, well, it's just, and if you, even if you just like to follow, you yeah. like to follow guys careers, you get to know a little bit of their personality. Uh, yeah. I like to think that that we can, we can help with some of that too. Like the interview you're about to hear, uh, you know, you get to know a little bit about somebody and you start to yeah. follow them a little more co- closely. They're not just another line in a box score. Yeah, so you're going to hear it right now, my interview with the hero Iriarte. Here with hero Iriarte, and translating for us is pitching coach Leo Rosales. Uh, Leo, thanks for doing this, and uh, hero, thank you very much for taking the time and talking to us uh, at the Friars on the Farm. Um, so you're from Guaraya. Did you grow up watching the Tiberons? Sí. Me crié en Aguaira, nací en Aguaira y sigo viviendo en Aguaira. Sí, soy del equipo de los tiburones. ¿Pertenece al equipo tiburones? No, no pertenezco al equipo de los tiburones todavía, pero cuando llegue voy a jugar con los tiburones. Okay. Says, yeah, I was born in La Guaira. Um, uh, I grew up as a kid watching them. Right now, I don't belong to them, but hopefully one day, yeah, it'll it'll come a reality. So you want to play with them in the winter leagues? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic! That's fantastic. The stadium, it's beautiful. Oh my God, it's beautiful. Did you ever get a chance to play there? Si está bonito, pero no, no he jugado todavía porque. No, he tenido chances. Siempre estoy aquí en Estados Unidos. He says, uh, that, yeah, I haven't had a chance to, uh, you know, practice or anything there uh, yet. It's, it's ever since, you know, I, I signed here with the Padres, it's been, you know, over either in the States here or, or in the Dominican, uh, okay. down in Dominican. Okay. So you haven't been able to get home since you signed? Sí. He vuelto y también espero este año jugar con los tiburones de la Guaira. Yes, I've, I've gotten a chance to go back, but it's very, you know, it's very brief. But um, and then yeah, but yeah, hopefully my my dream one day is yeah to to get an opportunity to play winter ball with uh, tiburones. Okay, okay. So is it watching the tiburones? Is that what got you into baseball? How did you get into baseball? Yo empecé desde los siete años, eh, mi papá y mi mamá siempre me apoyaron en todo y seguí jugando béisbol porque me gusta y porque mi papá y mi mamá siempre me apoyaron en todo. Says, um, I started at age seven, um, my mom and my dad uh, were very uh, supportive and, and me playing baseball and, and I just liked it, I liked the camaraderie and, and just kept playing and then you know that that's that's how it happened. Mom and dad helped me out a lot. Okay. Fantastic. What? Uh, why did you become a pitcher? Was it someone from the Tiburones? Que cómo llegaste a pitchar? Fueron alguien de los Tiburones que te que te miró o cómo fue que llegaste? No, de 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 pequeño siempre he sido pitcher y 
siempre me destaqué en esa posición. He says, since I was since I was a little kid, I you know I just yeah, being on being on the mound, being on the mound just kind of felt natural. I just started pitching very, at an early age, and and that's where you know that's where I've uh, I stayed. All right. <laughs> Did you get a chance to watch um, in the Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic? Que en 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 el en el WBC en, la, en el mundial del equipo de Venezuela te gusta cuando juega el equipo de Venezuela. Sí, sí me gusta bastante. Lo apoyo siempre y espero algún día jugar con, con la selección de Venezuela. Yeah, whenever, whenever those teams, anytime, uh, you know, Venezuela comes on and plays Team Venezuela, I'm always very supportive and uh, another dream of mine would be hopefully one day representing yeah. Venezuela. Yeah, that's fantastic. Who, did you have a favorite player on that team or did you have a favorite player growing up? Un, un jugador favorito en ese equipo o si no, un, un jugador favorito de todos los tiempos. Que, ¿Quién te gusta? ¿De Venezuela? De Venezuela, de donde sea. Eh, Armando Galarraga, es un Feli Hernández. Son dos personas de Venezuela, dos pitchers venezolanos que siempre han mirado por su forma de pichar y por todos sus años en la Grandes Ligas. Este es uh, uh, Armando, uh, Armando Galarraga and uh, ¿cuál era el otro? Felix, uh, King Felix. King Felix, okay. Yeah, King All right. Felix was All right. two pitchers that he's admired and, and just their, their time in, 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 in the big leagues has just been outstanding. El Rey. It's fantastic. Um, so you have several, several players here from Venezuela. Um, has that helped transition uh, living here in the States? Viví aquí en Estados Unidos, no te voy a decir que es fácil, pero nosotros siempre tratamos de siempre Estados Unidos y siempre apoyan uno al otro, independientemente sean venezolanos, dominicanos, lo que sea. So yeah, he says, uh, he says I gotta say, like living in, in the United States, it's it's not it's not easy being away being away from home. So, but you know, we try to we try to support each other, help each other out, whether it be Venezuelans or any other Latin, Latin kids here. We got Mexicans here, we got Colombians. So yeah. I think we're very unified and just help each other out whenever we can. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, who are any of them your roommates? Do you who are your roommates? <laughs> <laughs> Tengo un rumi venezolano, un rumi mexicano y un rumi colombiano. So he has a Venezuelan rumi, a Mexican rumi, and a Colombian rumi. Okay, who 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 cooks? Does any of you cook? Cocineros? Más que todo el colombiano, más que todo. So that would be the Colombian. It would be Ruben Galindo making making all. Galindo, what does he make? What does he cook? No, él hace arroz, carne, pasta, de todo, él hace de todo, de todo. He says he cooks meats, rice, uh, pastas, uh, he does it all. He says pretty good cook. Yeah, no traditional Colombian food? Does he mix it up and... No, todavía no, pero él dijo que iba a hacer la bandeja paisa esta semana o la otra semana que estamos aquí en casa. No, he said he, they, he hasn't yet, but he promised to make pretty soon bandeja paisa, which is a Colombian dish for, um, you know, in, in these upcoming days. Probably maybe all-star break when they have a couple of days. Right. <laughs> 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 Comida es muy... Es, es, 
Total importante para un atleta. Para mí es just so important that you guys eat well. Um, that's that's cool. I really appreciate that. Okay, so going on to baseball. Let's talk baseball. So did you go to a baseball academy? A mí me vieron jugando en un equipo donde yo estaba, como un equipo de una liguita, y me llevaron a una academia. Y ya duré dos meses en la academia y me vio Chris y ya, desde el 2017. So in 2017, I was training. Um, I was actually playing in one of my local local teams, and, and a couple of scouts came over and, and, and saw me and took me into an, an academy where it was a little bit more advanced training. And out of that academy, I, I came out and I got signed by our international scout. And um, yeah, that's where, where where it all started. Who else in that academy? Got signed with you? Did anyone else get signed with you? They're playing. Ese año nada más filmé yo, pero el año pasado filmó Guarte Rondón y el año siguiente filmó Carlito El Queche. Sí. So from that year, it was just me coming out of the academy. But in previous years, Miguel Rondon, yeah, who's still with us, and uh, Carlos uh, Guarate, who's not with us anymore, he's with uh, St. Louis. Yeah. They had signed, and then the, the following year after he signed, uh, Carlos Rodriguez, the catcher, who's right now in Phoenix, uh, he signed. Okay, okay. So you know a couple guys that got signed, and you see them around. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, for the listeners, uh, tell us what you throw. Recta, cuatro costura, slider y cambio. Forcing fastball, a slider and a changeup. Okay. So your velocity, uh, your velocity actually went up this last year. Um, is that something that you worked on in the last off season, or is that something that Padres helped you with? Aquí me ayudaron mucho, me han ayudado muchísimo. Siempre de sprint training hemos estado trabajando y hasta ahora seguimos trabajando. Okay. He says, yeah, uh, I got, I got, I've been getting a lot of help here uh, with, with the organization, um, and you know, early, since early on spring training, and, and you know, can continue on uh, as the season goes on. But yeah, I've been getting a lot of help. So last year you started, you ended the season here, I believe. Yeah, um, and and kind of struggled a little bit. How has that helped you pitch here this year? El año pasado, ¿verdad? Pues subieron, pues subieron unos juegos, no sé cómo bien, pero este año algo diferente. ¿Qué crees que te ayudó el año pasado para desarrollar este año y tener éxito? El año pasado a mí me subieron y yo me sentía preparado, pero mentalmente. No sé, Leo. Sí. Simplemente este año me dediqué más, me puse a trabajar más y tenía otra meta también por porque también tengo un hijo y eso. Yeah, so last year he said he felt physically, he felt ready, ready to go. But I think mentally he was where he felt a little short and, and it was just a little bit overwhelming. 
this year it was different different story and it almost felt like a second opportunity so you know learning from last year's lessons previous year's lessons and then this year obviously he has a you know with the birth of his of his baby boy then it's it's a different uh, it's a different you know outlook and, and you know now pitching for for him uh, uh, como se llama Derek Derek Iriarte Derek Iriarte yeah Segunda, maybe shortstop, maybe outfield. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> uh, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. So your, your cambio is, is more important. It's the more primero pitch, right? It's your, it's your best pitch. Do you? Uh, but I've seen you use your slider uh, to get guys out a, a couple games. Um, is that a field pitch for you, the slider, or do you really just kind of depend on the, on the changeup to get guys out? Eh, un picheo nuevo, eh, lo tengo de sprint trainer, me lo cambiaron y me gusta mucho porque no tengo que hacer nada, no tengo que bajar mi brazo, nada, simplemente sale por donde sale mi brazo y él hace solito. So yeah, he says yeah the um, the slider has been is, um, it was developed this year in spring training. It was it, it's a new pitch. Um, you know, I think it's easy for me. I just you know he showed me a new grip and I just grip it and throw it. I don't have to do anything different. Where you know drop my arm slot or think anything different. I just grip it and and, and throw it and, and it does what it does. I you know I, I see the righties. <laughs> um, so the righties, do you use your two seam fastball to kind of set up to set up the righties and then go away with the, with the slider and, and the change up? Mucho, muchos dicen que tiro reta dos costuras, pero no, es simplemente el movimiento de mi pelota, que es cuatro costuras. Y ahorita más que todo estamos enfocados en usar mi cambio con derecho zurdo y el slide de último para cambiarle la visión a los bateadores. Okay. So yeah, a lot of people think that I throw a two seam, but in reality it's just my four seam and it just gets a lot of run arm side. So I'm I'm trying to throw a four seam to the top of the zone, and then and then and then work out a slider off of it, and then you know I can use my changeup to both lefties, uh, left-handed hitters, right-handed hitters to get them out. Nice. Um, how how is um, technology has really improved in in, in development? Uh, how how has technology helped you uh, develop as a pitcher, as a young pitcher? La verdad, no sé mucho de esa tecnología, pero lo que me han explicado, sí veo que mi lanzamiento también y no, no sé, no sé mucho de eso. <risa> <laughs> so he says. So he says. Um, you know, I, I don't understand a whole, a whole lot uh, based on, on the technology. What's been uh, explained to me is that I create uh, good separation between all my pitches, and uh, the the illustrations kind of show me that, and I just try to pitch to where my pitches play best. 
Okay. Shameless plug. Que, que no hay este, no, no pienses nada aquí, nada mal. Uh, how important has Leo been to you this year and last year? Que, que le expliques uh, más o menos cómo te he ayudado yo y, y el año pasado y este año a desarrollar tu talento. El año pasado me ayudó mucho, simplemente fue que no me, no me salieron las cosas y este año me sigue ayudando bastante, no es porque esté aquí, pero sí nos ayuda bastante. Y siempre quiere que confiemos en nosotros y confiemos en nuestro picheo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he says last year, last year, uh, you know, he's helped me a, a, a ton. Except, you know, I just probably, you know, wasn't ready mentally. But uh, this year was the same, no different. Just kept, you know, keeps uh, helping, helping me out. Um, even if he's here sitting in front of me. But, um, you know, he wants me to... Uh, trust what I'm doing, trust in my pitches, believe in myself, and, and, and go out and, and, and compete. That's very important. I, I, I appreciate that. And that was a good idea. I really wanted to hear how much he, how much, you know, you help him mentally in the game. Like, it's such a game of failure. It's such a game of, you're, you know, you didn't do good this time, but you could do, you know, you could do great next time, and it's just a part of learning. La parte mental del juego, porque obvio que no nos va muy bien algunas veces, pero como es que volteamos la página y, y seguimos, seguimos con el trabajo para prepararnos para el próximo salido. Eso es lo que, yeah. más o menos, y es lo que trabajamos. Sí. Y aquí que yo learn, learn something from, from each house, pretty much. Okay. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, or we just take even feel, even, even playing at the two times it's right. Well. Take the good and the bad and learn. Right. right. So I, I play in a, in a Sunday league, and uh, and when I go 0 for 4, need a jefe, I go to work on Monday, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. I feel better. <laughs> Um, okay, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. Okay. Okay. Do you have any pregame rituals? Superstitions, yeah. No. No, no. Siempre cuando voy a pichar me me da mucha ganas de ir al baño, de ir al baño simplemente. Esto. You said he doesn't have any superstitions, but uh, one thing he notices is he's got to go to the bathroom a lot. All right. <laughs> Oh, that's that's funny. Okay, so no superstitions. Uh, back home, what is it? What's your comfort food back home? Mucha arepa, mucha arepa, empanada, cosas que nos gustan a todos los venezolanos, cachapa y esas cosas. He said, uh, arepas, ¿cómo era el otro? Cachapa. Cachapa y empanadas. Cachapa y empanadas. And, and it's kind of like Venezuelan dishes. Okay. Um, yeah, that's when he goes back home, gotta have. 
Okay, all right. Any comfort food here in the States? Algo, algo aquí en Estados Unidos que te guste comer que te que te alumbre así. Aquí, muchas cosas. Aquí nosotros comemos de todo, pero más que todo comemos hamburguesa, pura comida hecha. ¿Hamburguesa en el festivo que te guste? ¿Chipole o hamburguesa? Chipole. Chipotle. <laughs> well, that's good because the end of July I'm bringing uh, $20 gift cards to Chipotle, uh, July 28th. So everyone on the team, uh, coaches, should get a $20 gift card. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a walk-up song? If you had a walk-up song? Una canción de de Eladio, es un cantante puertorriqueño y él ahorita tiene muchas canciones buenas, pues. Y, eh, se llama Freestyle 5, Freestyle 4. Yeah. Eladio Carrion Freestyle 4. Yeah. Okay. No say. <laughs> um, okay. Just a few more here, Coach. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, can you name the first Venezuelan voted to the National Baseball Hall of Fame? The last Venezuelan? The first Venezuelan to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. El primer Venezolano que ha entrado al Salón de la Fama aquí en Luis Ah Luis Ah Luis Aparicio Yeah Okay, if you could talk to one player Who would that be? Que cualquier jugador Grande Liga, Liga Menores, Liga Venezuela, un jugador que te gustaría platicar de béisbol sin tener. Que Matt Scherzer. Matt Scherzer. Nice. Nice. What would you ask him? ¿Qué le preguntarías a Matt Scherzer? Como él, como él hace para tirar su picheo, o sea, que, que, que trabaja él en específico pa, para siempre tirar su picheo. Leo, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, interpret. Describe the perfect day. The perfect day for you. Que última pregunta que cuéntanos un un día perfecto. ¿Cómo se ve un día perfecto para ti? Un día perfecto, pero puede ser fútbol, puede ser lo que sea, que te guste, lo que sea, pero la playa. Un día que digas tú. Eh, un día con mi familia, o sea, pasó un día con mi familia, mi hijo, en la playa y, o playa, río, piscina, simplemente estar con mi familia y disfrutar el momento con mi familia. He says, he says uh, being with his family, uh, and being with his baby boy, 
It could be at a river, it could be at a pool, it could be at the beach, but just spending time with my family, enjoying my family. The, the rivers in Venezuela, do they have piranhas? And isn't that the part of the Amazon? Muy peligroso? Caimans? Alligators? No, no, no. Como si dice serpent? Culero, no. Nice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. It was the first time I was able to get an interpreter. Well, you know, a couple of years back we had, uh, I, I can't remember her name. She was uh, Ash, Ashley Magdalena. Yeah, Ashley Magdalena. And then there was another woman that took over for Matthew after Matthew left. Um, she did some, she did some uh, interpreting for us, but Having no one else around, I, you know, I knew Leo Rosales knew Spanish, so asking Justin to have him do it, and he was like, you know, you don't, you, know, you don't want to bug the pitcher, you know, you don't want to bug a coach for it, but I'm like, yeah, I give it a shot, and I asked him afterwards, I'm like, hey, can we do this again with another player? He's like, oh, yeah, and he just, I, before I even looked up, he handed me his phone, he's like, put your digits in there, like, awesome. to me. I'm like, okay, but I got to go through Justin first, but yeah, it was really cool, you know? All, All right, well, well yeah. Let's let's roll with the affiliate rundown. Absolutely. Uh, so we're starting off in Arizona. Um, we've got some we've got a couple of nuggets of good news this week. The first one, Jackson Merrill has begun his rehab assignment in the AZL. Uh, on Tuesday, Jackson Merrill had two hits, including a double. The 19 year old has been out of game action for eight weeks after breaking his wrist. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it in in print that it was an actual fracture in his wrist. I'd heard some yeah. rumors, um, you know, kind of hush hush on the down low. Uh, but now it's it's known that it was there was some kind of fracture in his wrist. But eight weeks later, he's back. Uh, Rosman Verdugo doubled and drove in a run, extending his hitting streak to eight games. The 17 year old is off to a 353, 378, 676 start. Right-handed pitcher Jarlene Susana uh, started and worked into the fourth inning, allowing two runs on five hits, walking two and striking out three. It was the first time in three starts that Susana was scored upon. So Verdugo, he's been off to this scorching hot start. Yeah. If he keeps that going, I could see even at 17, year, at 17 years old, he might make his way out to Fort Wayne by the time summer's over. Yeah, I, I really think he's going to be a fast riser because wasn't he playing already in the, in the Mexican League? Uh, I believe when he so, was yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, so he's got up. a little more experience than your typical uh, international, yeah. you know, 17-year-old kid. Yeah, so strike two Thursday, Riley Yeekman made a second appearance since a Rocky debut with three and two-thirds innings Thursday. The Australian right-hander has thrown six innings of one-run ball since his first outing. Disastrous outing. That's all good. Allowing three hits, walking three, and striking out eight. His first right. outing, your, your first time on the mound as a right. pro. Yeah. Right. Are, how many people are just going to be able to go up there and be nails from, from the get go, you know? Okay. So you stumble the first time out, yeah. pick yourself up, get up there and do it again. And that's what he's been doing. Absolutely. And you know, from that, you know, from that, from that standpoint, you also know where else to go, but up and he has done, he's really turned it around and it's, it's, it's really good to see. So uh, for a young kid uh, from Australia, yeah. Jackson, Jackson Merrill followed up Tuesday's two hit performance with smacking three more hits, including a second double to continue to continue to bat 1000 on his rehab assignment in the desert. Merrill was batting and blistering 393 and 56 at bats for the storm before hitting the IL April 29th. And we've got the abridged version since we had the interview. We're cutting things down, but I believe I saw that he uh, he hit a home run in a game the other day as well. Yeah. 
So Jackson Merrill, you know, the wrist you think, oh, it takes a little bit for the power to come back. Well, I mean, I know it's hot in the in the Arizona sun, but so far the power is right there. Okay, so stepping up to Lake Elsinore on Tuesday with a 14 to 7 win of the Dodgers single A affiliate, the Storm clinched a first half title and a spot in the playoffs. Max Ferguson had four hits, including two triples. The speedy infielder outfielder stole two more bags, giving him 46 this season. He's driving the ball to the gaps and he's showing as much more than a slap hitter with a good eye at the plate. In 84 June plate appearances, Ferguson is hitting 289, 357, 474. His slugging percentage failed to crack 300 in April and May. So there, there, I wonder if there's some kind of an adjustment that he made to, to tap into a little bit of that power. If it was just confidence, getting his legs under him. Yeah, absolutely. Carlos Luis contributed three hits to the parade, including a triple of his own. Luis also extended his hitting streak to seven games. The big lefty is enjoying the best stretch of his professional career, hitting 370, 433, 519 this month. After Bodie Rascon got roughed up early, right-hander Alan Mundo stabilized things for the storm and earned the victory for his efforts. Mundo pitched five sparkling innings, allowing just a hit and a walk to go with four strikeouts. Strike two, Saturday this week's series. This week, so this whole series with the Cucamonga with the Quakes has been an absolute slugfest. I mean, it is, they scored 94 runs before the Saturday game, and it was just, as of Saturday, they combined 94 runs. The, the game on, I think, Thursday or Wednesday was like a 24. We saw two position players pitch. Um, God, there was uh, one of the, one of the uh, you know, one of the storm hit two home runs in the game. Just it was a, just a, a, it's a slugfest. Man, we ain't afraid of no Dodgers. Nope, nope. So this, this game was no different. And the scoring started right away with Max Ferguson reached on an air and made it to second when a pickoff throw got away and then easily scored on a Cole coming sharp single up the middle. Ferguson later stole his 50th base of the year. Justin Farmer followed with a rocket over the wall and left. I had a pretty good idea what they were going to try to throw me to the 23 year old outfielder. I took the opportunity to set him up a little bit and hit it out of there. It was a laser. I mean, as soon as he hit it, like I was up there, there it goes. Um, he also stole his 22nd base of the year. Carlos Luis played outfield for the first time and threw out a runner trying to go from first to third. Luis got a pair of RBI singles as well. Yuri Lanidez. Followed starter Ruben Galindo, who had a rough outing, allowing seven runs in three and a third innings. With two innings, two and two-thirds innings of one-run ball, he had six Ks on the night. Elivian Vega, Elvon, 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 Elvon Vega, finished the game not allowing a run. It was just, I mean, there was so much offense in that game, I just can't go to mention it all. The angry eyes. Angry eyes. Okay, so moving on to Fort Wayne. Uh, strike one, Ryan Bergert has had an up-and-down first full season with the Padres organization. In two of his June starts, he's gone eight and a third innings pitched, allowing two earned runs on eight hits while striking out 14. However, in his last May start and another June outing, he's yielded seven earned runs on 10 hits and seven walks in eight innings with only nine strikeouts. Still, Bergert is a strike machine, and Wednesday against the top Midwest squad, uh, Dodgers affiliate Great Lake Loons, he tossed four one run innings. Strike two, Thursday, Noel Vela, the right of the ship after getting roughed up in his first two starts in June. In his last two appearances, the Southpaw has allowed one run in 12 innings while walking five and striking out 10. Just 23 years old, despite being drafted in 2017, Vela has been one of the best stories in the Padres system in 2022 with a 4-4 record, 4-4 record, 3.04 ERA, and 72 strikeouts in 56 in the third innings. 
after Vila, lefty Gabriel Morales served the game, uh, saved the game with three scoreless innings with four strikeouts as his fastball rose to 96 miles per hour. Corey Rozier had two hits and a walk, scoring two runs with his 21st stolen base of the year. Robert Hassel the third swiped his 19th bag of the 2020 out of, of 2022 to cap off a three-hit night. Hassel continues to make a strong case to graduate to San Antonio sooner rather than later with a 341, 375, and 679 slash line and 44 June at bets. Sorry, I had some chocolate and it just made my mouth like <laughs> oh just I'm slobbering all over this thing. Yeah, some somebody that somebody that we talked to has a, a theory that Robert Hassel might be heading up as soon as tomorrow. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll see. We haven't seen any any real moves yet. You know, we saw a couple of guys come up with the major leagues, but that was just because of injuries and whatever. But, uh, you know, the the motion's got to start happening. The the draft's not far away. It's coming. Okay, so San Antonio on strike one. uh, Thursday, we saw the resumption of Wednesday's game that was suspended due to weather. I believe that was because of lightning. Yeah. Not even because of of rain, because (laughs) of lightning, because it's that time of year. Yeah. After trailing four to one in that ball game, the mission scored seven runs in the eighth inning on their way to an 11 to four game one victory. Thomas Malone tied the game in the eighth with a single, then slugged his first double a home run of the season in the process, becoming the first missions player of the 2022 season to drive in five runs. Malone 27 started the season in El Paso before getting moved down to double a in a roster crunch. The second game saw Matt Waldron return from the injured list, tossing four innings of one run ball. Tirso Ornelas doubled and singled to continue a scorching June, slashing 353, 400, 510 after turning the calendar page on a 188, 243, 250 month of May. Holy cow, that's a that's flipping the calendar. Yeah. Uh, Jorman Rodriguez had a pair of hits, including his seventh home run of the season, splitting time behind the plate with starts at first place and designated hitter. Uh, Rodriguez is batting 297 with seven homers and 39 RBI on the season. Um, and uh, I saw that uh, Thomas Malone and Reggie Lawson, who you're going to talk about in the next thing, that they were the missions players of the week. Yeah. Yeah. I like that they do that. They, uh, I see the tweet and it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. Strike two, Friday, San Antonio clinched their first professional berth since 2018 with 11-2 victory over the Wichita wind surge. Yeah. So postseason a, baseball for those season baseball and the, and the, uh, the missions. Yes, absolutely. And the Wichita wind surge are, um, well, this is, I think, their second year in the league. Certainly, it's their first year in the Texas League. I don't think they were in uh, the Texas League last year. Now, it might be a little confusing that we're talking about postseason already, but there's a first-half champion and a second-half champion. That, that's how they do it. It's not like yeah. division, north, south, east, west. They, they've got a first half and a second half, which I think is kind of a cool way to do it, especially since you see so much motion. You know, A lot of the guys that are on the team the first half aren't there the second half. Yeah. The mission's first half title was remarkable considering they lost 13 of the first 16 games. They collected 19 hits, including two home runs. Corey Howe with, with two on and two out hit a sixth homer of the year. Tercer Ornelas had a four hit night to tie his career high. Ornelas had three singles, a double and scored a pair of scored a pair of runs. The 22 year old has been a very streaky hitter throughout his tenure in the Padres system. Ornelas hit 317 in April, 188 in May, and he is scorching in June. Ornelas' four-hit night raises June slash line to 393, 433, 554. That was from, you know, 353, 400, 510. So it's moving up 
from the night before. Um, the left-handed hitting outfielder hasn't found his power stroke in double-A, but he's continued to show a solid approach and good bat-to-ball skills. Reggie Lawson completed six and two-thirds innings and allowed just five hits, two walks, and a single earned run, striking out six. Lawson last pitched at least six innings. Uh, Lawson last pitched at least six innings uh, since May 2nd, 2019, when he was a member of the Sod Poodles. He's just 24. Yeah, coming back from Tommy John, yeah, it seemed like the first, what was it, four, maybe five I, starts were, were shaky. And now all of a sudden, he's just hit this groove. So something's clicked, and it couldn't be happier for the guy. Another guy we couldn't be happier for is Philip Wellman. Manager Philip Wellman recorded his 300th win as missions manager. He's now the fifth manager in missions history to win 300 or more games. Next in line for Wellman is Bob Coleman, who won 310 games with the missions from 1923 to 25 and 1936. Wow, that's history pushing back almost 100 years. Yeah, well, and that and the missions have been around since 1883, since just after the Civil War. Wow. They're a really, really old ball club. Awesome. Okay, so moving on to El Paso. Uh, Strike one on Tuesday, Ryan Weathers carried a no-hitter through five innings, but the wheels came off a bit in the sixth, which is so easy to do in in AAA. After allowing a walk and a hit batsman through his first five, Weathers allowed a single to the leadoff batter in the sixth frame. After striking out the next batter, Weathers went single, walk, walk to allow a run. A sacrifice fly gave the Rivercats a second run before the former first-rounder was pulled. It was one of Weathers' best outings of the season. Weathers allowed just two earned runs on two hits in five and two-thirds innings. The four walks are a concern, but the five strikeouts are an encouraging sign. Jose Castillo threw a scoreless frame, striking out a pair to lower his El Paso ERA to 1.29. In 14 innings, El Paso, uh, Castillo has walked five and struck out 19. It seems like every week we've got that little line in there. It's yeah. just a matter of time till he gets called yeah. up. Uh, Denelson Lamette finished this one off by striking out the side. In five innings, over three appearances out of the El Paso bullpen, Lamette has allowed just one hit to go with two walks and six strikeouts. So it's good that he's avoiding the bats. That's something yeah. he wasn't doing a whole lot in the majors. People were pointing that out, that he was just was not getting the whiffs that he used to. Uh, I, I really want to know what's the velocity look like? What's the breaking ball look like? Does it have the shape that it used to have? Because it, it was a little bit different earlier this year. Yeah, you can't really tell uh, in, the, in the feeds on MILB TV but you know it's it's good to see that he's he's getting it back. Jose Castillo is just I mean he's really depth right now. If someone goes down in the bullpen, I'm certain that he'd be called up. And the Ryan Weathers like I I want to take credit for it because I literally was watching that game and I'm like all right I can tweet hey Ryan Weathers is having a really really good game. I even think he said he had no hits or whatever. Uh oh that was the same thing. Then it was like the hit passman. Then it was the walk and it was the single. I was like, ah, God dang it. Oh it. man, don't do that. Dude, the jinx. The I mean, you can jinx. say he's he's throwing a really good game and then right. do the eyeballs emoji, like, oh, you better want to tune into this one. I'm getting better at that. <laughs> okay, so take us home. All right. So strike two Friday the Apostle walks it off in the ninth with a CJ Hayden. Hinerosa single. It was his third hit of the night. Luis Camposano also had three hits, including a double in the Chihuahuas win. The El Paso catcher had also paced the offense attack with three RBIs. His multi-hit affair raises batting average to 329. 329 batting in 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 AAA is mm-hmm. is is pretty damn good. The pretty 23 good. year old the 23 year old catcher has hit at least 300 every month this far, but he hasn't homered since May 21st. That's kind of surprising because yeah. getting the ball in the air doesn't seem to be a problem for him. 
No, and as soon as you hit make contact, the ball flies there. Taylor Callaway extended his hit streak to 14 games. He's been the best hitter in the Sun City this month. The Wisconsin native is hitting all an outrageous 442, 483, 731 with four homers, 20 RBIs, and just five strikeouts and 58 plate appearances this month. Callaway's 340 batting average and 431 on base percentage lead the PCL, and he is sixth in OPS at 953. At 27, perhaps Callaway isn't, isn't too old to be is too old to be considered a prospect, but he has always done the last two years is hit. He's left-handed, he controls the strike zone, and he can play four positions. So I think Call- what you're saying here is what more does he have to do right, right. <laughs> to earn now, what's a gonna shot? happen? You know, you know, I think the same thing is gonna happen to Batten. If they don't get a shot next year, like we're gonna see Colway get picked up in the rule five or Batten get picked up and make, you know, they're gonna make a major league roster sooner rather than later. Right. The the context that would make sense to me. So CJ Abrams, he came up pretty much as soon as Manny Machado got hurt and Machado hasn't been on the IL. But since he's not playing, there's a there's an everyday playing spot. So Abrams has been starting every single day since he got called up when Machado comes back off of not off the IL, but at least off the bench when he's back playing every day, then those daily opportunities go away either either Abram sits or Kim uh, Hassan Kim has to sit. Somebody's got to sit. And so it makes sense at that time to send Abrams back down to AAA. Now that he's got some more notes, more stuff to work on, because he's been, he's been pretty good. He's been better since, since the start of the season in this call up. Uh, But if he's not going to be playing every day, there's no sense in keeping him on the roster. That's when you maybe bring up somebody like Matt Patton or Taylor Colway, who can play first base, a little bit of third base and corner outfield positions. Um, If they're going to be the, the guy coming off the bench, Bench, you know, late season or late game defensive replacement, pitch hitting, pinch running kind of situations. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, you, you want to see him go with, you know, you want to see him get that opportunity with the Padres. I know we are a playoff team and that roster is very tight right now, but certainly they are going to either help us or they're going to help another team. And I don't want it to come back and bite us in the tail when someone like Kim isn't hitting as well as he should, you know, and these guys are. Yeah, but that's baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I was when you get a contract and your uh the other guys are 27 years old in triple A. Right, right. All right. Well, that's all we got this week. So uh thank you to Leo Rosales and uh Hero Iriarte for spending some time with us. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I'm at zippy underscore TMS. Let's go, Padres. Go Padres. Shoot at me with those angry eyes You and I must stop